What's up, everybody? This is Connor Allen, sports betting high six manager at 444. Join me today for a special FFPC playoff challenge show. And we're going to build a prize pick slip is John Paulson, the man behind all of our projections and one of the godfathers of 444. Paulson, Packers are in the playoffs. Regular season is over. How good are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. Uh, getting through the uh, the grind that is the NFL season as a ranker, uh, projections guy, and I don't. I'm not complaining. It's just a. It's just the same thing every week for 18 weeks. Then you get into the playoffs, and there's fewer games, so it's a little bit easier there. You get the playoff materials out for the you know the draft one and done type drafts or the FFPC playoff challenge, which we're going to talk about today. And then you get past that, and you just start looking. I've been I've been pinging you on Slack talking about props all morning. It's it's nice to have some free time to kind of look at this stuff. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And props are awesome in the playoffs. They offer way more. I think it's easier to dig into them. And we're going to start the show up here with a prize fix slip because lines are moving. You know, there's a couple of bets at prize picks that we're interested in, but sportsbooks are pulling it off really quick here with all the weather, with all the injuries coming up. So. I love personally love these weeks when there's uncertainty, there's almost always more money to be made. So I think let's hop in here and build a prize pick slip. Um, we can just kind of go back and forth on, I think it was three that we were looking at here off the top. Um, you want to dive in? I think the first one was Tyler Bass kicking points under, correct? Yes. And it was just at seven, like 15 minutes ago. And now it's at 6.5 at prize picks. And you said that they're pulling this off the sports books, right? Yeah. Yeah, DraftKings uh, and FanDuel just pulled it. So this game is going to be weather. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. Uh, we're looking at uh, 26 mile per hour winds. Uh, you know, snow as well, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.3 inches per hour. Uh, the The temperature is not terrible. It's like 20 degrees, but it's still pretty pretty cold. And then if you throw in the wind there, the wind chill is going to be. You know, it's going to feel like five to seven degrees. So this is going to be tough, I think, for Bass to hit his, even to hit seven. Um, you're, I mean, you're thinking one field goal, four extra points, or two field goals uh, and an extra point in order to get the over on the six and a half. And I don't, I think the kicking is going to be really tough in this game. They're probably going to go for it a lot on fourth down if they, are anywhere close because of the risky nature of taking field goals when there's 26 mile per hour winds. I mean, the ball's just going to go sideways. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think it's, it's a great look here. It's not a conventional prop that I think either of us look at, but when there's like these kinds of conditions, I love betting like longest field goal unders and like under and kicking points. If, <laughs> if you guys see any longest field goal props, please DM me, ping me on discord, whatever, because uh, I know that they posted under 47 and a half longest field goal. I mean, that's just like borderline free money. So let me know if you guys see that. Uh, and then Jeff Stenberg in the chat here. Is he talking kicking? That's my language. Yeah, Jeff, show later. We'll touch touch more on some kicker props as well. I know Jeff's a big kicker guy. But the other two that we were looking at here, I believe, another one was Tua Tonga Vailoa under, uh, I believe it's 232 and a half passing yards. Uh, this is one of my favorites, you know, may or may not be discussed on, on a later show as well, but Specifically, this game is going to have temperatures that feel like negative 25 degrees. I personally just don't see how these quarterbacks are going to be able to feel the ball extremely well throughout the entire game. It also, uh, we were talking with our buddy Chris Allen, former 4 for 4 guy, also a weather you know, specialist, I would say, has done multiple studies. Basically, grip strength is very, very difficult when it's that cold. So, you know, the only people that we've seen have success in games as cold was like 2008, and that was Brett Favre, who's an absolute psycho, was jogging outside in like, freezing temperatures like he can grip it and rip it to a tongue of Iloa cannot do that uh so I like the under there uh and I think that the matchup too Kansas City's defense they're more of a run funnel you can run on them you can't really pass on them as well so I think that's my second addition there and then what was the the last one we were looking at JP uh the last one was the uh Joe Flacco over 37 and a half pass attempts against a uh, improving Texans rush defense he hasn't in his four starts, hasn't gone under 42 pass attempts. They're in the dome. All these games we're talking about weather, but this one is in the dome in the friendly confines, and he has just been going extremely pass-heavy in his four starts. They're playing kind of a pass funnel with the, the Texans. Their pass defense is pretty bad. That's the way they can move the ball. He should have Amari Cooper back. David Njoku and, and him are really vibing well. 
So I think, you know, 38 is a pretty easy number for him to hit in this one. Yeah, no, totally agree. I mean, 42 plus in four of his last five. Only game he didn't hit was against the Jets, where he had 29 pass attempts, but he threw for over 300 because, of course, Joe Flacco is crushing one of the best secondaries in the league. You know, that's just yeah, the end of the game. It's crazy. Um, anyways, I think that's good. So, yeah, we're going to go with those three legs. Uh, Paulson and I have been messaging about a bunch. I'm being a little bit more aggressive this week with some of my looks, including the Tyler Bass under and mixing it up with a couple of James Cook overs and Stefan Diggs unders, things like that. So, uh, but anyways, this is an FFPC show. We wanted to get that off the top here in case they pull the bass under because that is, you know, getting looked at as the temperatures get worse. But before we dive in, want to remind everyone, your fantasy football season may be over, but betting in DFS, still kicking all the way through the Super Bowl. You can get all of our DFS plays for six $6.99, includes all of TJ's work, all of TJ's look at cash games, tournaments, everything. And then if you want to get everything, just 19 bucks through the play, through the Super Bowl. I mean, even if you're betting five bucks a pop, you'll make your money back plus plenty of more. Uh, you know, I think that the Discord is super valuable. There's a lot of good tools and we have provide bets as well. So you can go to 444.com slash plans uh, if you want to find that specifically. All right, FFPC playoff challenge. There's a lot of rules that I can dive into here off the top. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get started, I think, right, JP? Yeah, and I just this is this is something that you it wasn't the the wild card the first iteration of this, but the, it was the divisional round one that you won a, a few years ago, right? Yeah, me and the legendary Joe Pano, uh, you know, who has been you know consumed with his fifteen children and you know working <laughs> you know grinding grinding his ass off, but you know Pano's super sharp and a lot of we'll I'll touch on that multiple times, but we did win that, and it was basically on the back of Raheem Mostert. Instead of playing George Kittle, which everyone played, we played Raheem Mostert, and he had like that was the year we had 200 plus rushing yards against your Green Bay Packers. Unfortunately, I, I'm sure you don't have quite as fond memories of that as I do, but um, yeah, so that we'll, we'll touch more on it in a bit here. But just off the top, rules for the playoff challenge. So there's two different entry fees there's one for $200, one for $35. The $200 one pays out $500,000 the first, 100K to second, 50K to third. So Pretty strong prize pool. It's not completely all up top where like, you know, the million makers like a million up top and the second place gets 100K. It's not super flat either. I think they did a good job of doing the payouts there. There's no draft. Uh, the way it works is you pick a total of 12 players. So one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, four flex, one defense, and one kicker. Uh, you can only pick one player from each team and your team locks when the first game is played. So this whole contest locks Saturday, at what is it three o'clock three three thirty eastern something like four thirty eastern um whenever the first eastern, game is played yeah. yeah whenever the first game is played that's when the contest locks no changing players no late swap none of that dfs crap or anything so <laughs> i think it's important to note all, all of that there also scoring is ppr tight end premium which is a universal quirk of ffbc meaning the tight ends get one and a half points per reception which makes them a little bit more viable in the flex so that's basically just like, you know, the basic rules there. But Paulson, I, I would love to get your thoughts on like any, you know, I guess, strat basic strategy, anything you look at with expected games, rankings, projections, et cetera, or, you know, anything you'd like to touch on off the top. Yeah, the I think the first thing is, you know, you mentioned that there's two different contests. Uh, 7,800 uh, is the max amount in the $200 level. And I think it's 17,000 is the max amount of entries in the $35 level. So your approach uh for either might change a little bit you know based on that size because you might need to be a little bit more uh unique uh in that 35 dollars level whereas the 200 dollars level you can probably play a bit more chalk if that's what you're comfortable with um i i sort of look at it like uh we, we get our expected games uh played for uh each team and then we apply our fantasy points per game for those players and then try to you know kind of cobbled together a, a roster that makes sense but there's a lot of strategy strategy and mind effing i guess is the word that i'm sitting here looking at like because you really want to or you have to fade to a certain degree four different teams uh two teams won't have a player in your lineup at all uh so those are the you know you're trying to pick two losers there and then you want to soft fade um two more teams and that's basically that means your kicker and your defense because they don't score a ton of points but you're you're basically expecting those teams to to lose fairly quickly um maybe in the first game hopefully so that you are in the next week's round with what is it eight uh skill players 
Uh, that's the goal. And then you also are looking at double points for Super Bowl. So you want to try to pick two high scoring players that you think will be in the Super Bowl for you to, you know, get those extra points in the, in the, in the Super Bowl. So, uh, to me, it's a lot of, I'm, I'm here as more of a, I want to learn. Um, but I'm also have a lot of thoughts about these games to, to, to sort of kind of craft a, a roster around. But I think the best thing to do is not try to play, oh, I'm going to, you know, play all the averages and try to kind of field the highest mean uh, team, but to try to kind of like figure out uh, a um, a scenario that would, would happen that might be unique that allows you to, you know, if you think the Packers are a live dog or you think the, the Dolphins are going to lose for sure, you might want to fade one of those teams uh, and be, be unique that way because not a lot of entries will fade, uh, you know, like the Dolphins or, or some of these other teams. Yeah, no, that's, that's well said there. And I think that the best way, at least the way that I go about it every year, is I go team by team and then look at which players I think are the strongest plays, which ones will probably be overused and I'm not really as interested in, um, and then which ones are kind of, you know, like leverage plays where I think, well, maybe if this team loses, this player could go off. You're getting more from that player, and they're going to be lower owned. So it's, I mean, it is kind of a DFS style game in a way, but I think it's much more simplistic. Um, so, and I think, frankly, easier to to win in cash here. We're also looking at some decent overlay potentially for FFPC. So um, I think there's still like 2,700 spots available, and this contest locks in you know a little bit over 24 hours. So could be some some reasonable over the overlay there as well. And then my only, you know, strategy point here would be just uh pick your spots with leverage and don't be afraid to go all in on those. I mean, you'll know pretty quick whether you lo- lose or not, but if you think the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl, playing Josh Allen is probably the optimal route here. You know, you're not getting a ton of uh, advantage over the field, but like you're looking at a team that Josh Allen is crushed at fantasy points wise and he's almost certainly going to be the leading scorer on their team. Um, by a good margin if they do make the Super Bowl here. So let's, with that being said, I have some ownership projections from Pat Corain that I'd love to kind of, you know, like touch on occasionally if we need to uh, touch on. And then I think you have some as well from maybe a couple other sources. So if we want to kind of talk about like leverage, talk about fades, things like that, um, we'll probably be leaning on those. uh, Correct, Paulson? Yeah, I got uh, Chris Wecht uh, from Fantasy uh, Points. He projected uh, as well, along with Corrine. So I've got both of them here that we can discuss. Uh, you know, another good article that I read was Matt Schaff uh, over at uh, Draft Sharks. I just wanted to give him a shout out. So trying to, you know, get my head around some of the strategy and things I haven't thought about. So this is, I am coming from a standpoint of one lineup. You're going to do two, right? In the $200? Yeah, two, maybe more. I did a bunch with Dalton last year, Dalton Cates. Um, he likes to, you know, rip off a couple. And then Steve Boynton here in the chat um, may want to do one or two. So I, I think okay. it really depends uh, because... If I feel really strongly about certain spots, again, I'm not afraid to be more aggressive and do like 10 entries. But if I don't really feel that good, which as it stands, I don't really feel particularly good compared to previous years, um, I probably was limited to like two or three. So that does change the strategy though. Yeah, so you're looking at it from a multi standpoint. Also, you might you know rip some more if there's overlay. That's always smart. Definitely. Uh, but I'm just coming at it from one. So here's my, my start is just, I'm just gonna lay it out here. I'm just gonna start Lamar Jackson. And Chris, Christian McCaffrey, because I do think that the the Ravens and the 49ers are by far the the best chance to be in the Super Bowl. And those two kind of, I think, do well together because on Baltimore's side, Lamar Jackson is easily the highest upside guy. And I think on the San Francisco side, McCaffrey is, is great as well. So those two together combine. And then I'm just going to try to get my variance with the rest of the roster. Love it. Yeah, and I think that we can probably start the conversation with uh christian mccaffrey specifically in the 49ers so like mccaffrey here is going to be i mean crane's projecting 80 percent owned i'm sure other people are in the same spot is there a chance here and i have it listed as cmc is like my bold number one and then the leverage plays being brandon Ayuk, george kittle brock purdy if you want to get a little strange i mean are you even considering uh are you even considering doing anything else or is it just like a cmc lock button for one lineup i think it has to be right I well, I think that they're going to make the Super Bowl, so they're going to play three games, and I don't see the chances being very high that one of these other guys outscores him uh, in a three-game sample. Although you're looking at maybe in the Super Bowl, he, they could with the double points, but you know, I, I twenty-four point six per game. Debo's at twenty at seventeen for the year. He's at tw- Debo's the one guy that's sort of interesting. Twenty-three point six 
fantasy points per game from week 12 to week 17. So he's been hot lately, and he's been up there with McCaffrey in terms of the scoring. Ayuk, 16.3. Uh, George Kittle, 14.7. Purdy is an interesting play if you don't want to take – if you if you're picking them against a team that doesn't have a – like a high scoring quarterback on the other side, that might be a play, but he's at 22.0. There's better quarterback options. I think uh, Lamar Jackson, obviously. Um, but for me, it's just like, if I'm going to have play one lineup, I'm going to go with the chalk at the top to, you know, with the super bowl and then uh, go from there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think the issue that I keep thinking about when you try and pick like leverage spots where you're trying to, I guess, you know, do better than the field or like maybe switch it up a little bit and be contrarian. You have to think like, is there a reasonable scenario in multiple games where Ayuk, Debo, Purdy outscores significantly CMC? And I just can't get there because even look using CMC's full season averages, like he was obviously amazing. Um, in the playoffs, that's even more further emphasized. Like they're not giving CMC a break. They're not taking it easy on him. Like there were multiple times throughout the season, like, okay, well, use a little Elijah Mitchell to coast the game. Like that's not going to happen unless, you know, the Niners are up by like 30. So I think that, you know, CMC is just basically a lock button play and you're just going to have to get uh, gain leverage in other ways. But I think that brings up a good conversation with the Ravens here. So you said Lamar is your one lineup guy for two lineups between me but between my two lineups, I'm looking at probably Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, depending on what you think. I think both are looking at like 40 plus percent ownership, maybe, maybe 30 plus percent ownership. So really concentrated there. But would you consider anyone like an Isaiah Likely, Isaiah Flowers, probably your only two other considerations for the Ravens? I think that they're okay, but they're not guys that I really, really like. I can't get there with either of those. Uh, Likely is more interesting to me he uh 16.3 in the in the tight end premium from week 12 to week 17 with no mark andrews so there's you know the potential that he could perhaps outscore uh lamar but he doesn't need to i guess if you have a quarterback elsewhere that you want to use and you're you know tight end is kind of a weird spot this year because uh you know it used to be travis kelsey it was just sort of a stone cold lock to, to at the tight end position but i think he's his production has fallen off a little bit. We don't know whether or not Taylor Swift will be in attendance at this freezing, freezing game and uh, on Saturday is a Saturday night. Um, so uh, likely is sort of the interesting one. Zay Flowers, twelve point nine fantasy points per game, fourteen point seven in six games without Andrews. But uh, for me, I'm betting on the uh, Baltimore San Francisco Super Bowl. I think those two teams have looked head and shoulders above the rest of the AFC and NFC respectively. Um, and you know, I feel like the bills and the chiefs have fallen off a little bit, so I don't see them going into Baltimore and, and winning. Uh, it's possible that they do, uh, but I don't see, really see it. And I think the 49ers are head and shoulders above the rest of the NFC as well. So for me, I want Jackson and McCaffrey. I could see doing something different in the 35 if I had like 10, ro 10 rosters or something like mixing it up, but for a two, one, $200 uh, bullet, I think that's what I, what I'm going to do. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. And now you can score even more pizza with your pizza. It's easy. Just order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and become eligible for instant win prizes. And best of all, you pick the toppings you crave. I attended a live Scott Fishbowl draft over the summer and was convinced by a friend to try Little Caesars pretzel stuffed crust pizza with cheese sauce. And no hyperbole, it changed my life forever. Either way, everyone wins with Little Caesars convenient delivery or in-store pizza portal pickup. You can even pay for your pizza on the Little Caesars app and have your friends grab it on their way over to watch the game. That's how you enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Pizza, pizza. Some good questions here in the chat. So Darren Summer, shout out Darren, by the way, great high stakes grinder, super sharp. He <laughs> said, punch myself in the face if I picked likely and Andrews came back for championship Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't think it's like, you know, I don't think it's likely, but you know, likely. I don't think it, it's, it's, yeah, right. But I do think it's possible. I mean, it's not out of the range of outcomes there, but I was going to ask you. So if you don't pick Lamar quarterback and you have to pick a Raven, obviously, because again, they're going to go far. Who are you picking? Is it Isaiah likely? Is it? uh zay flowers i think i went with zay in my non uh 
in my, in my non-Lamar Jackson lineup? I would go likely due to the tight end position being kind of weird. That's for me. And, and then the running back situation is 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 like if you really if you maybe in the thirty five dollar and you're doing twenty lineups or something. A Justice Hill has been like weirdly outplaying uh, Gus Ed, Gus Edwards, but Gus Edwards gets the touchdown, so you could. I mean, I just don't see a three game span where those guys are getting it done and giving you score, enough. At the, go yeah, ahead. I mean, Gus would have to score like ten touchdowns in three games to for it to be worth it. Which again, I mean, and he's not—he's not like a 200-yard, you know, upside guy like Mostert is either. So it's—it's got to be touchdown equity for him. But you know, Hill's been getting—I just don't—I don't—I don't see it elsewhere with that roster. So for me, it's Lamar. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's very fair there. Um, cool. Well, yeah, I think that settles a lot of questions with the Ravens there. Moving on to the Bills. So I think Josh Allen is a fantastic play. The other play that's going to be 30 plus, 40 plus percent owned. Uh, again, just been massively high scoring option this first game though we're expecting we talked about massive temperatures like it's not going to be a massive blow-up game for a guy like josh allen james cook in this one game sample could very easily outscore uh josh allen in this game here so does that make you consider a guy like james cook at all or are you more interested in digs gabe davis was just announced out uh as, as steve pointed out here in the chat and then there's also dalton kincaid who's gotten a little bit more run now that I don't know. I guess it's been uneven, but you know, they're finally being like, Hey, this guy's awesome. We should just put him in no matter what. So any consideration outside of Josh Allen for you here? Yeah. Talking about the bills, this is an interesting one because you know, even before this weather situation really came on the front burner for me in terms of the projections, I was already thinking James cook. Uh, he has been uh, scoring 15.9 since week 10. Stefan Diggs been a little higher 16.2 for the season. But those two are pretty close. And then if you look at the situation now with the the Steelers in this in this really windy, uh, cold, snowy game, I think that plays into James Cook's hands more than it does the passing game in general. And then if a, a, a game next week would probably be against the correct me if I'm wrong, the Chiefs uh, at home. Uh, so they are kind of a, a run funnel as well now. They're tougher against the pass than they are against the run. Uh, so Cook. Unless they, you know, the one worry there is that they start running Lenny uh, significantly, but he's been seeing a lot of touches Cook, and I think he's the best play. If you're not going to play Josh Allen, I think Cook is the best play. However, I do know that receivers tend to have, you know, the higher ceilings and the lower floors, and sometimes you want that variance in this type of a contest. Uh, Kincaid is a bit tempting, again, because the tight end position is really weird, and he's a he is a dangerous player. 13.5 uh in the tight end premium since week seven. Um, but for me, it's cook. I, I just think that the two games that we're likely to see him play in first two games, Steelers, probably chiefs, both good rushing matchups for him. And, and he's been playing well. Yeah. And I think Darren brings up a good point here in the chat. Does Josh Allen grabbing rushing touchdowns or carries bother you with cook Josh Allen? We saw, I believe 15 carries last week. Uh, I expect a ton of carries this week, probably a lot of design runs. I think we're going to still see probably plenty of Lenny here. Uh, side note, if you have ESPN bet, you can bet on the Bills to have over 30 carries as a team. Uh, I also think that that's just free money as well. So I I, I bet whatever I could on that. Um, it does worry me, I think. But, you know, I think his total usage in terms of receiving game usage, which hasn't been strong the last two weeks, but was super strong post uh, Joe Brady coming in. I think we see more of that against the Chiefs. Uh, the week after, and probably not much this week, but all he has to do is rumble in like once or twice, you know, over the course of two games. And I think that he probably makes up enough there. Um, I think he, I could see you going digs though. Uh, he did see his routes run decrease in like four or five weeks. And then last week we saw 96% uh, route participation. And now we have no Gabe Davis. So, I mean, he's going to be out there all the time. It's the playoffs. Um, maybe he's hitting an age cliff. I don't know, but I think that he's still pretty solid there. What What do you think about his uh, ownership projections? 28%. Uh, uh, for Wecht, uh, 32% projected by uh, Karain, um compared to Cook, 18 and 17, respectively. Dalton Kincaid, 12 to 8. Would that play into your thinking at all if you were going to use a non-Allen player for the Bills? Yeah, I think so, because, again, you're getting a player, like, if you're getting Cook at 18%, right, I mean, your lineup is already pretty contrarian, you know, relative to the rest of, like, one of these fields. Like, even if you went... CMC and Lomar, you know, like you can go a little yeah. bit chalkier Then you probably need like one mother pivot or have no other yeah. dupes, maybe one, one big pivot or maybe two smaller ones. So yeah, I think that that definitely uh, should play in a factor there as well. All right. Which team should we talk about next? 
Uh, let's do the, well, you know, I have the Steelers because I have it in the next on my list because of the, um, you know, the, who they're playing, but I have them as full fade D defensive special teams or kicker. Do you have anything else there? I mean, they're 10 point yeah, dogs in terrible weather. I am full fading the, the Steelers. I don't know how this pans up, but I guess it could, but, uh, it's for my one lineup. I'm definitely not going to play any Steelers. Yeah, if you want to be, I mean, outrageously contrarian, Najee Harris, if somehow they manage to win, it's probably on the back of him. He's going to be 1% owned. Again, the week after, they're going to play someone really good, so they're going to have to throw, but maybe Najee Harris runs for some touchdowns. Super contrarian, but that's like, you know, gal borderline galaxy brand, I think. Yeah, you th I think you're overthinking it. Yeah, right. All right, move on to the, let's do Rams-Lions next. So this one's a fun game. Uh, get a little bit of that weather stink off us there. So for the Rams here, <laughs> I think that we're looking at probably Puka or uh, Cup. As, but I think that the big one is going to be Kyron Williams. I expect him to be really highly owned. We had a conversation about this offline. Any thoughts in your end about which one of those three? I mean, you could go Stafford too, but that's super contrarian as well. Yeah, when I when I initially put my lineup in, I just went with Puka, and then I started looking at the numbers. Kyron, uh, uh, the projection is 55% with Wecht, 48% Karain. So he's going to be probably half the field's going to have him. Uh, and I can see why. 21.3 fantasy points per game uh, this season. Then you look at Puka, who you would think – is up there in that sort of range. But then if you look at the 12 games with cup, uh, 15.7 fantasy points per game, he's 21.9 fantasy points per game without cup. So he's been a good bit lower with cup. Uh, cup is at 14.8 in 11 healthy games. So given the, um, you know, I think I'm either going to go Kyron or maybe cup. Um, given the difference in the ownership projections for Nakua versus cup, 21%, to 8% for Wecht, uh, 28%, 17% for Karain. Uh, It just seems like, given how close they are in scoring when they are both playing, that Cup has that, you know, contrarian feel or whatever and has that same sort of upside as Puka does. Like, it's it's amazing that we're looking at Cup as, like, the third option uh, for this contest, Crazy. you know, because he does Crazy. have a mega, mega upside. And then this is the game. This is the the matchup is the interesting thing about this because Kyron's been great, right? But Detroit's a pass funnel. You know, will Kyron have the same sort of success? Uh, does McVay just sort of cut it loose knowing that his advantage is with Stafford and these two receivers and, you know, the other receivers, uh, Demarcus Robinson, et cetera, who's been playing really well and just air it out. Uh, and then, and then you're thinking if this is a, if they pull the upset, which I think they could, I don't know how you feel about that. Like they maybe have a 30, 40% chance to win this game and they're playing a second game uh, probably against the 49ers uh, who are, you know, weaker against the pass. Then maybe that, that Nakua uh, or pup or cup uh, pick pays off again. I don't know, but the chalk is Kyron. And then I'm thinking the pivot, the leverage, I guess it's called is, is cup. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. So I'm going to be fading Kyron here um, or, because again, like you outlined, like, even if they win, like he's probably not going to be in another advantageous situation here. So like, it's one of those things where I want the two, one of the two guys, either Puka or cup who can take advantage of this Detroit secondary. We've seen Detroit, you know, just get ripped by any pocket passer. I think this is like a complete nightmare matchup for their defense. Uh, we just saw Nick Mullins, you know, throw for like 300 plus passing yards against them multiple <laughs> times. Like, I mean, this is just like, I think a complete disaster for Detroit's defense here. And so, I think we see the Rams come out, throw the ball extremely well, and either Puka or Cup is going to go off. Maybe both. I mean, I, I think that both is very much in play here. And I also expect Detroit to have success on the other side here. Now, how does Kyron play into that? I think the issue with Kyron, though, is like his receiving work has been diminished in the last few weeks, and that's like a big part here. Like if they're playing from behind or if they're playing in a high-scoring game, you need him to be involved in the receiving game. Like they're not going to be able to jam him up the middle 20-plus times against Detroit and have success. So – I think that's kind of my, where I'm at with Kyron here. So that's like probably one of my biggest fades on the slate. Like he's going to be like 50 plus percent owned just because he's been scoring fantasy points like crazy. But I mean, he has, he would have to score a touchdown in my mind, at least one uh, to really pay off at that ownership. Well, he only uh, has five in yeah. the last three games. <laughs> five touchdowns. Uh, I just wanted to comment on your, your note about his past catching six uh, since week 12, six, three, three, five. And then the last two weeks, zero catches and two catches with zero and two targets. So that's interesting that his 
his targets have dropped off. So if you, let me just ask you this, if you were doing five $200 uh, lineups, would you fade Kyron in all five or would you maybe run him out there in one? Maybe of one, maybe okay. one max. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I'm pretty comfortable fading him just because we have, I think Cooper Cup and Puka are both like really good options. Like, you know, I wouldn't fade him for some, you know, like Demarcus Robinson or anything, but you know, I think that like both these uh, other options are really strong. All right. Uh, yeah, you want to move over to the Lions now? I think Amon yeah. Ross St. Brown is going to be 80-plus percent owned, and I think it's probably a good idea. Leverage there, Jameer Gibbs or David Montgomery. Any other thoughts there? I think uh, David Montgomery might be galaxy-braining it a bit. Like you're, He's sort of in that Gus Edwards. He's got to score two touchdowns uh, and maybe do that back-to-back games to sort of be the be the play. Uh yeah, Amon Ra is at 64% for uh, Wecht and 66 for Karain. Um Gibbs is at 19 and 19. Uh, so I just wanted to mention this. Ra, uh, St. Brown, 20.3 fantasy points per game. Gibbs, 19.4 week 7 to week 17. So... Does that include I, that includes some David Montgomery list games? Yeah. Right? Yes, yeah. I think, yes, it does. Um, but he's been pretty good since Montgomery came back as well. So there is a bit of... And then there's Laporta, who <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. just kind of, you know, wrote off. But he apparently is going to play, you know, projected ownership 1% and 0%, um, averaging 16.6 in tight end premium. So that would be a if he very... Was healthy, if he was yeah. healthy, I think he'd be an awesome pivot. Um, I mean, he's back from the dead. I thought there was no shot that he played this week. Maybe not the rest of the playoffs. And he's, like, apparently going to play, so... And it's good. The matchup is great. The Rams have not been good against tight ends at certain times. So I don't know. I mean, are if you, how many lineups would you have to play to consider playing Laporta? A lot. Yeah. I like, you know, if I'm putting my precious 200 in and it means a lot to me, I'm, I'm going to play St. Brown. He's the, he's the dog and I'm going to get my uh, variants elsewhere. It, it like, like you said, it's like, you don't need, if I like, I like cook. So James cook. So if I'm going to go with him, and I have one other guy that maybe is 15% owned. And I've got those two in there with a bunch of chalk. It's probably going to be okay, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm also being talked into playing uh, Laporta here in the chat. Um, we're playing Laporta. So apparently, yeah, I guess I'm playing Sam Laporta later tonight. Um, that'll be good. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's that bad, though. The, the matchup for golf is also great. I mean, the way to disrupt golf is by pressure, by playing man coverage. The Rams do neither of those. You know, they play a lot of zone. They don't get a lot of pressure. They kind of sit back and hope you make mistakes, which, I mean, Goff can do, but when he's not under pressure, he's, you know, relatively good at managing the game. So I think that Amon Raleigh, Laporta could easily score two, three touchdowns, even on limited snaps. So, I, yeah, I mean, not the worst leverage at like 1% owned as long as he plays. Um, all right, let's move on. Eagle, we'll move to the Eagles Bucks here. I don't know why I have this list uh, the way I do, but we'll just we'll, we'll jump to Eagles Bucks. This game is the most uncertainty, I think, from an injury standpoint. AJ Brown did not practice again today, I believe. Devonta Smith was a full go, and then the big news too: Jalen Hurts is not really throwing the ball much since last week after injuring his hand against the Giants. This seems like a complete disaster. I know you have been talking about potentially thinking that the Bucks will win. The one of the most liquid markets in the sports disagrees with you at being three point favorites for the Eagles, but I can see it either way. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this game and just the Eagles in general. Yeah, this is like I've been talking with you in Slack about this, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I hate the Eagles. It's terrible. This feels so bad. Like they've lost what five of the last six or four of the last five. Yeah, and then you're always like, your response is always, but it's the Bucks. (laughs) They're not good. Uh, yeah, I would feel better if this was a, a you know a better divisional champ than the Bucks, a stronger team, you know. Um, but this offense looks so banged up. I mean, if if Hertz is injured at all, is not throwing on Friday. They play Monday night, so we really you know have to give take everything with a grain of salt. Same with AJ Brown, right? So like AJ Brown probably guts it out, but is he you know he's nowhere near 100. Uh, percent I asked uh, Jeff Muller about. Uh, Devonta Smith, I think the full the full uh, practice is encouraging, but he thinks it was a high ankle sprain. So it's just like, you know, maybe in a regular season game, he wouldn't be playing, but this is do or die, right? So he's going to try to gut it out. The full practice, though, gives me, you know, an indication that they're feeling like he's pretty good, you know, in a pretty good spot. I don't know. But if, he, if, if Brown sits or is very limited, Smith is an interesting play if you think that the Eagles can win or will win. 
Uh, and then Goddard, obviously, is a, an interesting pivot as well. I don't think I would go as far as using Hurts and, as you know my quarterback, uh, unless you think that this team has a, a run in them. Because I think you 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 know if you're playing a quarterback this weekend, you're probably looking at Mahomes or you know Josh Allen uh, or maybe Dak as a player that can go and play four games. So um, I still like because I don't like to fade like a, a lot. I'm looking at my list of teams and I there's a lot a lot of players in those teams that I really like and I think they're going to play. They have a good chance of playing three games. Uh, I don't see that with the either one of these teams, and I know it's dumb to full fade the the eagles and soft fade the the bucks because you end up with a kicker or a defense potentially in the second round and i'm probably going to avoid that but the, the, these are the two teams i have the least confidence in you know winning a, a second game yeah it's, it's very fair there and i think that you brought up a good point here like i don't know what projected ownership are you looking at for AJ Brown? Because I'm still seeing 40 plus percent for Kareem. I mean, that seems pretty high in my mind. I think it will yeah. probably be closer to 20%, 25%. I mean, like hasn't practiced, I, got an MRI. There was like no word on like what actually happened to MRI. I think that they're just posturing and he's not going to play. That's just my, maybe he guts it out, but there's no, I would say there's a very low, low chance that he's more than a decoy. Would you, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the one caveat here is the Bucks are a pass funnel. They've been bad against the pass all year. And I would not be shocked if he had like a big game. Um, but <laughs> just because we don't know what the, what's going on with the knee, they might be like, he might be like, Oh yeah, I'm you know, he knows he's going to play. They know he's going to play and he, they're just resting him and trying to give his knee much time to recover. I don't feel good about it though. Like I think there's a chance of that happening. I always get tied up in this situation where, you know, people have strong takes one way or the other, but I can see both sides of everything and I over consider both sides. So I end up like in, in a painful state of can't decide. Um, and I think that's the situation here with Monday night. This sucks. Like you don't know what this offense is going to look like uh, by game time on, on Monday. They could have no Brown, a Gimpy Smith uh, and Hertz that can't throw the ball or they're kind of, as you mentioned, posturing, but the other way, like, oh yeah, Hertz isn't throwing. We're just giving him, you know, they're just like, well, we're just going to give him the day off. It's a little sore. Brown's not that bad. And they come out and they've got their full arsenal for the most part. So I'm leaning towards this looks terrible because, you know, usually Wednesday through Friday, if these guys aren't practicing or doing well, especially before a playoff game, uh, they're hurting, they're sore. And uh, it's going to be pretty ugly. And plus they've just been playing kind of crappy on top of it. So I think this is the one where the Bucks could win, and I might go with like a Mike Evans. Or did you want to talk about the Bucks next? Or did you have? Some yeah, thoughts no, on I think the that's. Yeah, just to finish up my thoughts on the Eagles. I think that Devonta or Goddard are both great leverage plays. You're looking at like you know twenty percent or fifteen percent for Goddard, eight percent for Devonta Smith. Um, I mean, I think both those are fantastic. If you want to get a little crazy, I don't think uh, DeAndre Swift is a terrible play. Again, you need to score a lot of touchdowns and need to run really pure, but. Two-game sample, certainly possible here. Uh, also, Darren brought up, AJ just deleted his social accounts, must be dialed in for the Super Bowl run. Uh, yeah, I mean, the social media narrative, you know. It's, uh, he's probably sick of hearing everyone complain or see what's going on and just doesn't want to hear it anymore. But, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to play the Eagles. Personally, I would just, if you need leverage, I would just play the lower on ones. If you don't, then, you know, just roll with probably the chalk there. Uh, yeah, I Bucks, think I just, so, want, I just wanted to mention on Devonta, too, like, the, the high ankle playing through that. Let's say Brown is gimpy or, you know, he's they're, they're going to play one or two games and he's just not anywhere near 100%. Smith, like you were talking with Mueller about it, his fantasy production should dip. But if he's seeing more volume, that can offset it. So we might get, you know, normal Devonta because he's seeing two extra, three extra targets per game or more snaps because Brown is, is gimpy. So that's just something I wanted to mention. Yeah, and if he is healthy, I mean, if he if somehow he is like relatively healthy and AJ Brown doesn't play, I mean, he's like an absolute smash. Like he's you know gonna crush like eight probably. But we won't eight to ten targets. You know what? We don't know. We won't. We won't know about Brown probably until yeah, Monday. Yeah, or Hurts, or if Hurts can play. So this is a total shit show. Um, good <laughs> luck, guys. Honestly, I wish I had the answer to you for you guys as well. But Paulson and I clearly are just still figuring it out. Uh, this is gonna be something we're gonna monitor up until lock. Honestly, it could be a, a last minute decision. Uh, Bucks. Evans, Godwin, Rashad White. I mean, 
any interest there. I think you could probably play all of like any of them against the bad Eagles secondary. Rashad White, I mean, you're going to have to get him to catch passes, but he's been doing it all year. So I think that he's viable as well. Any preference among the three? Uh, Evans, 17.3 fantasy points per game this season. He's obviously had a great year. Not as not as huge towards the end here. Godwin's kind of picked it up a little bit. Rashad White, 16 uh, fantasy points per game. One thing I noticed about this is that the ownership projections are vastly different between uh, uh, Wecht and Corain uh, uh, for White. Uh, 7% versus 22% for Corain. Uh, so 21% for Wecht for Evans, 30%. For Corain. So I think there's some disparity here in, in terms of how much the people are going to play the Bucks. Um, so I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't feel like the Bucks can win a second game. Definitely. So not. like how like do you want to use one of your positional spots on them? Or are they like yeah. you're gonna hard hard like I'm thinking about hard fading the Eagles and soft fading the Bucks and just living with the results. Yeah, normally that's not something we'd advise, right? Like we talked about. But in this in instance too, Baker Mayfield dealing with like a rib injury was like gimpy all of last time. The last time these teams played, he played horrible. I mean, like he just didn't play well and like it didn't make sense. Last last time these teams met, the whole game just made no sense because the Bucks normally a bad secondary, good run defense. DeAndre Swift ran for 130 yards. Jalen Hurts didn't do, didn't do a whole lot. I mean, he did fine. A.J. Brown had like 130 yards. The other side, Tampa Bay, couldn't really run the ball, couldn't really pass the ball. Eagles pass rushers getting home. And we haven't seen any of that since that early season matchup. So it almost makes me think that I don't want to rely too, too much on what we saw early and kind of just bank on what we've seen the last couple of weeks. So for me, uh, I'm okay with Evans or Godwin. If you're kind of like in that range and you're like looking at who to play versus soft fade. Um, I mean, Godwin, we're looking at like sub 5%. Uh, you know, again, if you need leverage, I don't think it's a terrible play. If he plays two games, he probably gets you value on that. You know, even if he doesn't have like an awesome second game, there's a chance where he goes nuts here against his Philly secondary that has been basically routinely burned. And like you said, with the Bucs, do you think they can win multiple games? I think absolutely not. They played like four good teams all year and lost by double digits, all of them, except for the Bills, who they lost eight by, but they were down by 14 with two minutes left and they scored like a garbage time touchdown. So I have very low confidence level in them. But if I'm gonna fade, if I'm gonna full fade the Eagles, I gotta play. I really have to play a player, like a skill player for the for the Bucks. I kind I kind of yeah. Because you want your you want your like Evans or Godwin or somebody or White uh, playing in that second round. Yeah. Not oh, a, so not. we. Oh man, this is good. So Darren just updated us here. Back to Baltimore. Mark Andrews back at practice today. Oh God, what a mess! This this contest is. A, <laughs> see, this is one of those years where I'm not excited to like launch off 15 entries because, I mean, this is just a disaster. You can't play him play him in your contest, right? I mean, like that's that's like 0.1 percent owned. Someone's gonna play him, but I mean, oh wow. Yeah, I see him. Yeah. I see him. He's catching passes. I still think um, that just yeah. plays into Lamar, though. It just makes him a better play. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah, I mean, it matters for likely though, because if you yeah, even for if you sure get, like, for one likely, good yeah. game, two good games, and you know Andrews comes back, I mean, you're just toast. Like likely wasn't even playing with Lamar or with uh, Andrews, and like there was all this whole thought about like, oh, they can play both of them. I mean, that like just never happened in like two years. So, um, yeah, so certainly put some uh, a damper on likely there. Uh, all right, let's move on. We got what three more games? Two more games? Dolphins, Chiefs. Um, let's start with the Dolphins. I think this is this game, another weather game, negative 25 degree temperatures. We already talked about it at the top. I think it matters a lot for passing. I just don't see how they're going to consistently move the ball. But, uh, you know, the Dolphins, again, Tyreek Hill is fantastic. Mike McDaniel's great at scheming things up. Uh, he's going to be like, what do we have him projected for? Like, got to be unbelievably high, highly owned here. It's going to be like 80, 90%, I would guess, 74%, uh, Karain. So, is there anyone else you consider outside of Tyreek, uh, or is it just kind of Tyreek or bust? I feel like there's a case to soft fade or full fade the, the Dolphins, to be honest. Yeah, that's kind of – we were talking about that in Slack as well. Like, can the Dolphins really go in and win this game? Um, and I, if It feels really weird to fade Tyreek, uh, but the passing situation here is going to be dicey. You mentioned the temperatures. Um Again, this is also like a it's a night game, so the sun's gonna go down. Uh, the the temperature at kickoff is expected to be one degree, negative eighteen wind chill, uh, getting down to like negative twenty two wind chill. 
There's also 14, 15 miles per hour winds, which isn't something I would normally um, adjust for in terms of, you know, reducing passing. But when you're adding this with the temperatures, um, you know, I, I just feel like this is, it's going to be tough. So you could fade Tyreek. And if you still think the Dolphins have what it takes to win behind their running game, take a, you know, take Mostert or Achan. Um, you know, I like Pacheco out of this game. And I think Pacheco, if I like the Chiefs to win it at home, you know, Dolphins are coming. You know, they, they live in 75, 80 degree, 90 degree weather, and they're coming and play. <laughs> this, this is the nightmare. Like, I wouldn't even go outside in this weather. Um, so, uh, I, I, you know, I like Pacheco in this one. I don't think this sets up well for even Mahomes or Rasheed Rice or Travis Kelsey really that well. Uh, and for me, Pacheco, um, or of course, we're talking about the Dolphins, but um, I, I'm considering, because I've got this dilemma with the, the Tampa Eagles game, I'm considering full fading the Dolphins just betting that they don't, they don't win this game and Tyreek has a quiet game. And I think if those two things happen, then full fading makes sense. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely fair. I think the issue lies with if the Dolphins win somehow, you, you are borderline sunk if you don't have Tyreek the next game because, I mean, he's still going to perform relatively well. I mean, you're looking at, I think last time they had like eight for 62 and it score or something like that. I mean, again, that's like <laughs> still 14, 20 points. You know, like that's like crazy. Uh, and so I think no matter what that he's going to be um, you know, very, very highly owned and should be. So yeah, I think that it's like a good, a good play. You got to play them. And if somehow they win, I mean, you're really cooking there. Um, Jeff added no way I'm playing Hawaiian Tebow in negative degree conditions. It's hilarious. Um, no, yeah, I, I, I don't blame you. Um, yeah, I think that I don't have much to add there on the Dolphins. It's kind of like Tyreek or nothing for me. I think you could make a play with Moster, but with HN healthy, I mean, he's going to get involved. Um, it would just take like an insane, insane, a run out from Moser, like touchdown wise, multiple big runs, things like that. And maybe in a one game, stably outscores Tyreek, but two games, uh, I think that's really, really tough. So, uh, yeah, so I think that makes sense there on the Dolphins. Chiefs, I think I would like Rasheed Rice a little bit more than you do. I do like uh, Pacheco, but I think Rasheed Rice is, is pretty interesting here. I've been seeing a ton of targets on the stretch since his, uh, you know, routes run has increased there specifically. So, I'm kind of interested in that. You didn't seem quite as interested. Um, any thoughts about Rice? I mean, he's like basically their num clear number one at this point. Yeah, Rice has been fantastic. I mean, 18.5 fantasy points since week 12, but Pacheco 21.8 in four games without McKinnon. And McKinnon, I believe, is out. Um, so we're probably going to see a lot of Pacheco, uh, maybe short passes to him as well. I, I do think that Rice has the better matchup. Um the, the Dolphins are 16th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. They've been second against running backs. So they have, you know, played pretty tough rush defense. But I I just lean Pacheco in this, even though his ownership percentage is higher. Kelsey is like projected to be the highest, 48%, 45% uh wecked uh Karain and ownership projections. His full season, even with the tight end premium, 17.8. Uh, fancy points per game, which is not, you know, not bad at all, especially when you're considering the state of the tight end position. I just have another tight end that I, I think I want to use uh, and kind of fade Kelsey and use Pacheco because that gives me a little bit of uh, contrarian uh, vibes there with the with the running back. Yeah, I think Travis Kelsey is going to make us look really smart or really dumb if you fade him uh, because it's going to be like, of course, this guy's been dust all year. He's not going to do shit. Uh, or it's going to be the playoffs, and then every single play in the red zone is going to go to him. And it's going to be like, of course, Travis Kelsey scored three touchdowns every single game. So, you know, I, I don't really have the answer. I think I'm going to probably split it one and one, uh, you know, and probably play him in one. The other one, I don't know if I, whether I want to do Pacheco or Rice. I mean, we're getting Rice at sub-10% ownership. Like, that's, I think, a really strong leverage play as a guy who could easily outscore any of these guys. Um, so I think that's pretty interesting so, so the other thing with rice is that i'm thinking about the second game too so going into buffalo right next next week if they win and buffalo wins uh two versus yeah. three like this could be another yeah. terrible weather game so i just think this sets up for pacheco in a, in a two-game sample that's just yeah my take and pacheco's it. usage without mckinnon has been great in the receiving game uh massive touchdown equity you know, is a, the definition, I would say, of a cold weather back, you know, a guy that just like runs like a bull in a china shop, like literally just. Is anybody going to want to tackle him? No one's going to want to tackle him. <laughs> I don't think so. I've been looking at his prop. It's like in the 60, low 60s. I mean, yeah. I think that's a little bit light, um, but haven't played it yet. 
Uh, Jeff adds, maybe this weather will remind MBS of Green Bay that he decides not to suck and cut, <laughs> catch a couple passes. That's true. MBS might be one of the worst wideouts in the league right now. Uh, was pretty solid in Green Bay, but has been terrible this year. Uh, all right. I don't think I have anything else to add on that game. You got anything else? Uh, no, I think that covers Chiefs uh, Dolphins. How do, like How strong do you feel about the Chiefs winning that game? So I will say this. One of the people that I know who bets the most, like makes me look like a peasant in terms of how much I bet. He took a big stand on the Chiefs early and is taking a sizable stand at four and a half, but already played it so big at like two and a half and three and three and a half, whatever it opened at afterwards that he hasn't played it anymore. So I respect that. And I think that this Dolphins defense is so, so beat up that like, I mean, they're literally just signed guys off the street and are, you know, playing them on the defensive line. So like, they're going to have zero pass rush. So <laughs> we got some friends in the back that are trying to join the show. That's my mom walking through with the dog. Letting the dog out. <laughs> She's got well, a strong uh, take on the Chiefs. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Mama, Mama Paulson, come in here. We're thinking Pacheco or Rice. You know, that's, a, that's what you got to ask. Yeah, so I don't know. I would feel pretty strongly about it, to be honest. Um, I don't, but I respect the money and the people who do. So, all right. Let's see here. Browns, Texans. Uh, this is an interesting game. I think a lot of people are going to fade the Texans here, but I think it was a pretty good injury report for the Texans. Not as good for the Browns. Denzel Ward picked up an injury, one of their corners. Grant Delpit's still out for the Browns. This this Browns defense really hasn't played a whole lot of tough competition. When they have, they've been good, but not great. Uh, now we get Stroud. Nico Collins is back, or is playing. Noah Brown looks like he's going to be back. Robert Woods looks like he's going to be okay. You know, these guys aren't awesome, but they're at least, you know, passable receivers outside of Nico Collins. And so... I'm kind of more into more and more interested in the Houston side here winning um, and Flacco just throwing it a bunch. And if that happens, I think having Nico Collins is pretty important. So any take on we'll we'll start with the uh, Texans here. Then any take on the Texans? What do you want to do with like Nico Stroud Singletary? Yeah, Houston is plus two in this game. So yep. this at is home. a tough this is a tough one. Yeah, at home. Um, and you you discussed the receiver. It's it's kind of a double edged sword for Nico because if you with with Woods and Noah Brown back, you might look at that as a downgrade for Nico because he's not going to see maybe 12, 15 targets, right? But they have a better chance of winning and playing a second game. Uh, there's more attention taken away from him that maybe he can thrive more in the targets that he does get because you know that Cleveland's going to focus on him if it's not. I mean, Woods is back, but. Uh, look like uh, Brown should be back as well. He had a back injury. Um, so like putting those guys back into the projections, it wasn't too hard to kind of leave Collins where he was and take the stats away from all the other guys that were going to play if Woods and Brown didn't play, if that makes sense. So like his piece of the pie probably with Tank Dell out stays about the same to me. So if you think Houston wins, I think Collins is a no-brainer or am i no i that, think it's a great play is that too strong uh, especially a... yeah you're looking at i mean 37 percent ownership is a little bit higher than i would have guessed but i think that that's i mean it's basically nico or nothing there i think that's a, a really solid look here in a game that i'm i'm just having more and more confidence in houston potentially winning also like the over in this game i think that we're going to see good back and forth here this game combined for 140 plays last last time they played and that was with like Case Keenum and Davis Mills, a quarterback for Houston. We're getting CJ Stroud pushback here. I think it could be, I mean, just a massive shootout here. And the, the total is only 44 and a half. So pretty strong disagreement from the market there, but could be exciting. And on the Brown side here, I think you could play Amari Cooper. I mean, again, he's coming off the 256 yard game, 270 yard game, whatever it was against this same Houston secondary. They're a pass funnel. They can't defend deep. Flacco loves to check it deep. I mean, I think Amari is very much in play as well, but, um, you know, he's kind of been limited all week. I mean, he's basically always limited. Any thoughts on this Brown side here? Yeah, the Browns are interesting as well. Mari Cooper, 21% wecked, 38% projection uh, ownership uh, for Crane. Flip it to Njoku, 28% for wecked, 25% for Crane. So those two disagree on which player is going to be the most uh, rostered, uh, Cooper or Njoku. To me, given the state of the tight end position and – David and Joku, 21.2 fantasy points uh, with Flacco. Uh, Mari Cooper, 22.9 fantasy points with Flacco. The tough thing with this is that Flacco or uh, that Cooper had that monster, monster game against 
the, the Texans uh, not too long ago. So that's the tough to put out of your mind if you wanted to pull the trigger on Njoku. And he's the tight end I think I like the most of all these tight ends that we're talking about, given who he's, which team he's on, uh, the matchup, and uh, just the state of the tight end position in general. 21.2 with, with Flacco. Yeah, no, I mean, it's absolutely crushed. And Darren brings up a good point. Like, if we're not going to go with Kelsey, if we're not going to go with Likely as an option now with Andrews coming back, what other tight ends make sense? We talked about Laporta, like 0.1% ownership that, you know, some people are locked in on. But I think that uh, we're looking at this is a great spot here for Njoku potentially. I mean, is Dalton Schultz an option? I mean, that seems like with all the other options coming back, probably not for me. Um, but I do think that uh, a guy like Njoku, if you think, especially if you think the Browns are going to win, I think that's that could be a good spot. I do think that both of these teams, though, like even if they win, if they advance, uh, I mean, they're both fun, interesting offenses that have good skill players. So like compared to, you know, I guess other spots here, like the Steelers, you're not definitely not don't want to pick one of those guys, even if you get into the second round somehow miraculously as well. So, yeah, I think that Njoku is an interesting play. I think Amari is an interesting play. I think you can also, again, if you want to soft fade the Browns here and you really feel good about Houston, you can play the Browns defense potentially. Um, because, uh, you know, I think that we're looking at a spot where Stroud's probably going to get sacked a decent amount. He's probably just going to throw a pick or two. So the, the, they will score points. It's just a matter of how you, what you expect to happen here with the offense. And uh, I think a shootout here is pretty likely. Yeah. One last note on, on Njoku. I think my averages for the last four games was with, with Flacco. He did have a quiet game at Rams two for 17 on six targets with Flacco and in, in Flacco's first start, but the last four, six for 91 and two on eight targets. 10 for 104 and one on 14 targets, six for 44 and one on nine targets. And that was against Houston, that last matchup. And then six for 134 and eight uh, against the Jets, which was a, you know, a lower volume uh, game for Flacco. He still threw for 300 yards. You mentioned that earlier, uh, but Njoku still got there six for 134 and eight targets. So just really incredible production for him with Joe Flacco. Yeah, no, totally. I think it's a very good play, and I think you can reasonably talk yourself into Cooper, talk yourself into Njoku or Collins from that game. I think all those three are pretty solid plays, depending on how many lineups you're doing. Uh, cool. I think, well, we're on to the last game. Your your darlings here, the Packers, are going <laughs> to Dallas. Seven-point dog. Did get a little bit of money. It was seven and a half for a little while. Now got some money at seven. Our size and totals guy, Sharp Clark, thinks the Packers are going to win outright. Uh, and then I've seen some people say that Dallas is going to beat him by 30. So <laughs> I'm very excited to see what the, happens in this game. My take is I think it's going to be super high scoring. We're looking at the Packers here in a spot where I don't think their defense is as good as they're chalked up to be. Um, and I also think that Jordan Love should be able to take advantage of this Cowboys defense that gets pressure, but under pressure, Jordan Love has an 11.8 average up the target, literally just chucks the ball downfield, is averaging 7.8 yards per attempt. I love the aggressiveness. So I think this game could get – Pretty fun, pretty quick. But let's start on the Packers side here. I think you played Aaron Jones in your initial one here, but I think Jaden Reed could be pretty solid leverage as well. Um, what's your take on the Packers? Yeah, those two are the ones I'm considering or perhaps full fading, but I have a tough time doing that to my Packers. I do think that they're a live dog in this game. And the reason I say that is, is not because I believe in their defense or anything like that. It's just Joe Barry's defenses have a weird way of showing up when the chips are down or they're a severe underdog or and then they don't show up at all when they should dominate like against the bucks or against the the giants in that monday night game like look terrible but they you know when they when they're playing a really good team they tend to have a really good game plan and they figure it out and they somehow like either it's almost like i kind of liken it to like when i you know, i play college basketball and i go play pickup at, at the y and there's this try-hard player who never, you know, barely got, barely played in his high school team, but he's he's defending me, but he's not in the right spots. Like he's doing weird things, things that I'm not expecting a good defender to do, and it throws off my game, <laughs> my offensive game. It's sort of like that. It's like the Packers are so weird and so bad sometimes that they end up confusing the offense. And you know, they did a good job against. Uh, you know, uh, Jared Goff with all those turnovers and, you know, pressuring him. And then Mahomes, they they managed to shut him down and relatively speaking. So I do think that they're a live dog in this game. I just, they're obviously the offense is quite hot. Uh, I think we can, that's safe to say that this is a real deal. They might be getting Christian Watson back. Uh, Romeo Dobbs looks like he's going to play. 
Jaden Reed's been fantastic. Dontavian Wicks has been fantastic. Bull Melton has been fantastic. He's got they've got two good tight ends. Uh, so I agree with your assessment that this is probably going to be a high scoring game. Uh, as far as this contest is concerned, to me, that points to Aaron Jones. He's got lower ownership projections than Jaden Reed. And even though Jaden Reed has outscored him uh, since week 10, 17.4, uh, Aaron Jones, 16.1 in seven games with at least nine carries. Uh, he's got 15.8 in his last three games with no touchdowns. Uh, so I think he's probably due for some touchdown regression. And if they can win this game, I think Jones probably outscores any of these guys for the Packers in a two, three game stretch other than Jordan Love. Uh, the other thing with Reed is that with the, all these receivers back, I don't think his target floor is as high. We don't know if Watson's back yet, um, but I don't think his target floor is as high if, if Dobbs, Watson, Wicks, Melton are all healthy. Yeah, no, totally agree there. Uh, two notes here. We just got the practice report from the Packers. A.J. Dillon did not play, practice again. I would assume that he's likely out for this game, um, which also increases uh, – you know, Aaron Jones is like carry floor, I think. And then his pass game usage is still still solid. So I think that helps increase his floor and raises his ceiling. So all that's good for Aaron Jones. The bad news, J.R. Alexander did not practice again after picking up an ankle injury last, uh, it was last practice, which again, any late week injuries that now you're DNP twice, you're probably not playing. If you are playing, you're probably not going to be very good. So uh, I don't think that he, I think that's a really bad thing for the Packers defense here, especially when we're moving over to the other side here, CD lamb. I, I think Korean has been 90% ownership. Uh, I don't know what the other guys do. I mean, I don't blame them. I just, this is such a good matchup for him. They move him into the slot. They move him out wide. Like Dallas's offense has been super aggressive post the bye. They were awesome passing the ball. Like the Packers defense, the best quarterbacks they played were like, I don't know, Kirk cousins early in the season, maybe like Jared Goff, like, They've played zero offense, passing offenses that are like caliber to this level outside of like maybe Mahomes. But again, this Chiefs passing offense hasn't really been all that good this year. So it's one of those things that this team is playing really well or has played well in the past. And so I'm interested in when you need exposure to this passing game. Like I think whether it's Lamb or Dak, worst case, but I, I think you absolutely need to play Lamb, to be honest. Yeah, Lamb uh, is a lock for me. Uh, and I, you, you also like even if you look at it and you're trying to talk yourself into Dak, uh, with the with the Cowboys probably going to the Super Bowl, um, you know, on the flip side, you probably want the AFC quarterback. You probably want Lamar Jackson. You probably want Josh Allen. You probably want Patrick Mahomes if you want to go that far down the AFC uh, rabbit hole uh, in in a game with C.D. Lamb. Uh, so you probably don't want to use Dak with one of the player, you know, other players from from one of those other teams. Certainly not the Ravens. I don't see a player there that would intrigue me with Dak or I'd want with Dak. Uh, I don't, you know, the, the bills with digs and, you know, that we talked about it, maybe James cook with Dak. I don't know, but that'd be very contrarian. Um, I did see, a, a some stats with, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name, but maybe I'll, I'll put it on Twitter, but retweet it on Twitter. But there's, uh, she was just talking about, uh, it was Barnwell and, uh, Mina Kimes. They were talking about how bad the Packers are over the middle of the field, like league worst. And that's where Dak likes to throw. Uh, so I, I think there's definitely a strong case for for Lamb there. You could maybe go contrarian with Ferguson, but I don't. I think that's overthinking it uh, because there's other ways, as we've outlined, that you can go and be unique without giving up the massive upside of CD Lamb. Yeah, the more that we talk about it, like I would love to play Dak in a contrarian spot here, but the the issue is, like you said, the options on Buffalo, the options on Baltimore aren't really all that good outside of like Josh Allen or like, you know, especially on, on, on Baltimore, like it's just gets a little bit messy, you know, like outside of Lamar Jackson there. So it's, it's almost thinking like Lamar Jackson, CD lamb, Christian McCaffrey are just locks. And then you just got to get interesting elsewhere because it's just really hard for me to envision a scenario where those guys don't really work. Um, so again, I'm doing at least two lineups, probably a third tonight. Um, I'm probably going to have those two split. I'll probably have Lamar Jackson and then either a Josh Allen or a Dak Prescott lineup. Maybe I'll have one of each. That's probably, in my mind, the best option for it, but we'll see. Do you have any other, uh, you know, before we hop off here, any other takeaways kind of from our conversations today? Because I love doing this, love talking about it. It kind of helps me 
think more about you know where we're at and like different plays and what we should be focusing on. Well, I'm no further along uh, as to who I'm going to fade or full fade. Uh, I still I still don't know. I do I do think I one switch I did make is the you know going to a receiver for the Rams. I think that was that made sense. And if they if they do pull off the upset, you could see them doing well in the game, second game as well. Um, but yeah, I've got I've got some tough decisions to make before lock tomorrow because it's 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 tough. It's tough out there in the streets with these full fades and these soft fades. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Philly, yeah. it's the Philly Tampa game. It's just it's killing me. Yeah, it's it's interesting because normally in wildcard weekend you have two to three games where it's like a 10-point spread, you know, maybe eight. We have seven points for the Packers and then 10 points for the Bills. Both the or that second game is gonna be pretty ugly with a 10-point game with the weather. And then the other games are all just like three points, four points, two points. Like they're all really close. And it matters a lot for this contest because you, I mean, you just can't really have blanks running in your contest for more than a week, you know, like it's like max. So that's kind of the, the issue there. So I think figuring out who's going to win and like taking your stance that way is just as important as taking your stance from leverage perspective. Um, so, you know, wish you guys nothing but the best. If you have any questions or thoughts about it, feel free to DM uh, DM us on Twitter or Discord or anything. Um, but yeah, awesome. Paulson, well, that was a lot of fun. If you guys wanted to join in these contests with us, myffpc.com, $200 or $35 entries. And then as always, like, thumbs up, subscribe to our YouTube channel here. For John, I'm Connor. We will see you guys here uh, maybe next week. Who knows? Maybe we'll do another one next week. We can talk about it later. See you guys.